Welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Shaffer. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. This week we will take a look at Parshat Bo, in which the plight of freedom for the oppressed Israelites comes to a peak. This is a moment that has been 400 years in the making. In Bo, locusts cover the land, darkness creates great despair, and the firstborns, the Egyptian firstborns, pay the ultimate price. Bo has 106 verses and fills 207 lines in the Torah scroll. Here is Bo in seven parts. Part 1. Ulaman tisaper ba'aznei bincha. That you may recount in the hearing of your sons the story of the exodus of Egypt. God instructs Moshe to go back to the Pharaoh. Because the Pharaoh's heart is stubborn and God will display his might for the entire world to see. God also tells Moshe that the events should be told to future generations. Moshe and Aharon return to the Pharaoh, demand freedom and threaten the next plague, locusts. The Pharaoh's advisors beg him to let the Israelites go. And so he entertains the idea of the Israelites leaving, curious about who would actually join the expedition. Moshe shared that they intended everyone to leave, their young and their old, to which the Pharaoh responded that he would be willing to entertain the possibility of the men going, but not so much everyone. The focus offered in verse 10 to, chapter 10 verse 2, helps us frame the message, the long-term message of the Exodus. While the world will notice the strength of God, its message will only last for generations within the descendants of the Israelites, offering a much narrower focus for the wonders that are on display during the Ten Plagues. Laman tisaper ba'aznei bincha. The Israelites themselves will be the ones to remember these miracles for thousands of years. And so ends part one. Part two. Lo ra'u ish et achiv. People cannot see each other. God says to Moshe to raise his hands over the land, inviting the locusts to eat everything that existed in Egypt. Moshe did so, and a strong easterly wind blew all day and night, bringing in the dreadful plague of locusts. The locusts were unlike anything ever seen in Egypt before, completely covering the earth, filling the land as far as the eye could see. Anything that had been left over from the prior plague of hail was now destroyed by the locusts. The, the Pharaoh now summons Moshe and Aaron, admits to sinning, and begs for forgiveness. Moshe leaves the Pharaoh and asks God to remove the plague. A westerly wind arrives and removes the locusts. The Pharaoh would not comply with Moshe's demands. God tells Moshe to raise his staff to the heavens with no warning and to bring forth darkness upon the land. Moshe does so. And there is a deep existential darkness on the land for three days. Ramban 1023 
points out that the darkness was so unnatural. It was such a deep darkness that any candle or torch was extinguished. This w darkness was absolute. People could not see each other, no matter how hard they tried. And so ends part two. Part 3. Vayitein Hashem Eschein Ha'am Be'enei Mitzrayim. The Pharaoh summons Moshe and Aaron again, instructing them, begging them to leave, but leaving their flocks behind. Moshe says that they, they required sacrifices and will leave with their flocks. The Pharaoh would not agree to such terms and instructs Moshe to leave and never show his face again. They are done. God tells Moshe that there is one more plague after which the Israelites will be free to leave. The reputation of both the Israelites and Moshe is untouchable. And God tells them to prepare to take the gold and payments from the Egyptians. The Ramban chapter 11 verse 3 points out, that the stature of Moshe as the instigator of the plagues should have been abysmal. But that was not the case. Another miracle happened. He was revered by both of the Egyptians and the Israelites. And so ends part three. Art four. Moshe now describes the shocking final plague. Every firstborn of Egypt is to perish. The land will be filled with cries of mourners. The Israelites will now leave unharmed and not even a dog shall bark at them as they make their way out. God confirms for Moshe and Aaron that the Pharaoh will still not listen and chapter 11 concludes with a condemning statement that Moshe and Aaron performed all these wonders to no effect on the Pharaoh. At the beginning of chapter 12, God speaks with Moshe and Aaron, telling them to instruct the Israelites to establish a calendar and to take the Korban Pesach, the Paschal Sacrifice. If a household doesn't have enough people to consume the sacrifice, they should join together with other families. They should share a table and a meal. How novel an idea that must have been for a nation of slaves. The blood from the sacrifice should be placed on the doorpost, and the meat of the sacrifice should be roasted and eaten with matzah and marah. The Israelites should be prepared to leave because God will strike the Egyptians and will spare those with the blood of the sacrifice on their doors. The time has come to leave Egypt. The exodus is near. These days will become a seven-day holiday for the Israelites' descendants. Matzah will be consumed and all leaven will be removed from your homes. It is worth noting that when Moshe returns to Egypt to free the Israelites, he is reminded of the blood of circumcision. And at the conclusion of the mission, he is presented with the blood of the sacrifice. As we say at the bris ceremony, B'damayich chayi, B'damayich chayi, through our blood we live, through our blood we live. And so ends part four. Part five. 
Moshe now communicates this command to the Israelites, instructing them to place the blood on their doorposts to protect themselves from the terrible plague that evening. Moshe also tells them that this ritual will accompany them in the future. They have what to look forward to and will be even observed once they reach the promised land. The Israelites did exactly as they were told. Rashi 12.27 points out that the news of their future, including the freedom they now had to have the freedom they now had to have children, and just a general feeling of hope, in light of all that information, they prostrated themselves out of sense of relief. The Exodus indeed had had arrived. And now ends part five. Part six. In the middle of the night, God strikes down all of the Egyptian firstborns. The Pharaoh awoke in the middle of this night due to the cries that filled the land, because every house in Egypt experienced tragedy. He called to Moshe and Aaron and insisted that they leave straight away. Enough is enough. The Egyptians joined the Pharaoh's urgency, asking the Israelites to leave ASAP. The Israelites take their payments from the Egyptians. And even in spite of everything that's happened, the Torah tells us that the Israelites found favor in the eyes of their oppressors. On their way out, they still liked them. The Israelites, consisting of a 600,000 men strong, left Ramses, along with some others who joined them too, who were convinced by the cause. The Israelites baked their unleavened bread and left Egypt after 430 years. That was a fateful and sanctified night. The Torah recaps the instructions on how to eat the carbon Pesach and notes the incredible significance of the freedom offered to the Israelites on that amazing and brilliant night, an evening we commemorate, Ad Hayom Hazer, up until this day, and so ends part six. Part seven. God instructs Moshe that all the Israelite firstborns were consecrated to God and that there will be a command to remember these events throughout history. These events include the exodus during the spring month and the refraining from eating leavened food on the anniversary of these events. You shall eat matzot and tell the story of the exodus to future generations. The Torah repeats the commands to redeem every firstborn human and animal and to share this great story, this epic tale 400 years in the making. The Parsha concludes with the famous verse that this is the source for the mitzvah to don tefillin. And so ends Parshat Bo.
Thank you so much for joining us for our review of Parshat Bo. This is Parshat Napad. I'm Yechiel Shaffer. Here's one final thought. It's so strange how in each of the Makot, each of the plagues, they are not used as leverage to get the Jewish people free. When Paro requests from Moshe, to end the plague, he ends the plague, teaching us that the, the Makos were not really about leverage, but rather about perpetuating the message of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of God, about showing the world the might of the Almighty and teaching us throughout the generations, throughout the millennia, that God is the one who started our story. And please God, God will bring our story to fruition, just like he did for the Israelites in Egypt all those years ago. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share this, subscribe on your podcast platform and share this with a friend if you enjoyed it. Enjoy Parsha's bow and have a wonderful week.